Bob Balco and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki here again with the Practical Medicine Podcast, the podcast that focuses on bringing uh, awareness about the many ways to maintain your health and heal your body, mind, and spirit from acupuncture to Zen living and everything in between. I tried to make that as a tongue twister just so it would be fun for us when we, Mission <laughs> when we say. <laughs> Mission so. accomplished. I, I decided to add a little side note about mm-hmm. our mission statement um, in terms of acupuncture and talking about bringing awareness of what we do. Um, in the United States, there are roughly 328 million people. Um, and as of 2015, there were 34,000 acupuncturists. And I like to sometimes put my math geek hat on. That leaves us at each acupuncturist needs to reach 9,500 people (laughs) to spread the word of acupuncture. So I feel that um, there are so many people that have yet to hear about how amazing we are. Um, No pressure on us. No, but but it allows us to reach more people and help the other acupuncturists reach more people. Because we can't do this alone. No. Um, So in New Jersey, where we are... Um, as of 2015, they estimated that there were 923 acupuncturists and 8.82 million people. Wow. So that means we have to reach 9,600 people. So that's, you know. I'm going to have to start working weekends. <laughs> I didn't say you had to treat all of them, but. Bring them all to me. Yes, bring them all to me. So I just thought that I would share that because that's one of the reasons why I felt like I wanted a podcast that would allow us to help other acupuncturists as well to reach other people and to get the word out about how great acupuncture is. Mm -hmm. Um, So today's topic for our fifth podcast is going to be about acupuncture and gynecology, which we both treat. um, And I kind of make that one of my, you know, top three things that I treat are gynecological conditions. Mm -hmm. And in the future, we'll delve in more deeply into some of these topics. Today is going to be a broad brush stroke of all of gynecology Right. Is, there's so much of, and yeah. such, uh, in acupuncture history, there's this you know long, long documented history of treating it successfully right. from onset of the period to um, menopause. menopause. Yeah, <laughs> and everything in between, and right. all the, and all the um, complications that arise from pregnancy or, or infertility, etc. Right, and and I feel like the reason we had talked about separating some of those things out was because we wanted today to just be a broad overview. And some of the questions that were coming in were about specific conditions that um, when we were looking at them, we were just like, oh, that requires like a whole a whole topic in and of itself. Otherwise, I feel like we wouldn't do those topics as much justice. So some of them we'll touch on today, but then like we said, we would go into them you know, in, in more detail later. Um, because there's so much to talk about with them right. <clears throat> for each one. There's there's treatment itself, diagnosis, of course. Symptoms. Um, and symptoms, and dietary changes, maybe right. some medical medicine type changes or working with Western right. medicine, et cetera, et cetera. So very, yes. very complicated. Right. And I, I want listeners to feel like that I don't want turn off the podcast today if you don't have a uterus i feel like you know (laughs) well i know you won't turn it off but to our listeners don't shut the podcast off because you don't have a uterus i feel like 
someone that you love may have a uterus and and what we're going to share today may help that person yeah. so and i've had cases like that where you know, people just weren't aware and through uh, other people discussing it suddenly they were like oh wow i think you can help my friend right a great thing exactly yeah so today we'll just um delve into some of the easier things um and the, one of the quotes that i found when i was scrolling through Instagram, as I do so often, <laughs> was from um, Sally Ride. And she was a female American astronaut in space. And she's quoted as saying, I remember the engineers trying to decide how many tampons should fly on a one-week flight. They asked, is 100 the right number? <laughs> she said, no, that would not be the right number. So that's why I feel like I I like for there to start being more open conversations about what goes on right, so that right. people aren't asking if 100 tampons need to go on a one-week flight. You know, into so, so that begs the question is, what is the right number? <laughs> Callers, please enter your guesses. <laughs> if you're spot on, you'll win a prize. <laughs> spot on. I see what you did there. So, but that's a, that's a really important part of this whole discussion, I think, in that um, men and women have a skewed sense yes. of what is... Um, you know, what is a period like? What, right. You know, what's what's uh, correct, what's incorrect? You know, right. what should you expect or what should you not live with? Right. You know? When uh, There's a scene in the movie Blended. I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. seen that movie where um, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore are in like, uh, you know, like a uh, CVS type store or whatever. And um, he is going to buy pads for his daughter. <laughs> And he's just like staring at it and he's, you know, talking about the different names and stuff. And he, he's got a box and, and she comes over and, and she's like, you know, is this for your daughter? And he says, yes. And she's like, these are for, uh, he says, I think she, her friend is visiting and, and she says, these are for a much bigger friend staying in a much bigger room. <laughs> it's just like, but it's true. So that's why I right. felt like, let's right. talk about, you know, what is normal and what's not normal. Because right. if right. you think that, you, like some people who are listening may have, think what's going on is normal and it's actually not. And, and yeah. that skewed sense doesn't necessarily, you know, happen for someone who doesn't have a uterus. Someone who has a uterus might have that skewed sense of what, what's normal. Right. I mean, I've actually had patients say to me, when I ask them a question, say, uh, do you have headaches? And the answer to that question should really be rarely. Or right? no. Or no. <laughs> it's a preferred answer. And this young woman said, oh, normal. And I said, and her mom was with her, and I said, well, what's normal? And she said, you know, no, it's like once a week. It used to be once a month. And right there, you can see a pattern. Right. right. And I said, okay, we're going to work on that. In addition to the shin splints that brought her here, she was a um, field hockey player, right. and she was in a tournament. You know, they were really wanted to. The focus was more on the sports, right? Right. And so I said, all right, we're going to work on both. And you come, come back if you have more headaches. Right. And they were gone. And I yeah. called, I checked up with her, and we cleared that. And she would have gone right into adulthood having headaches on a regular basis. Right. And thinking that was perfectly normal. Yeah. And maybe other complications down the line. Right. This is really just a, a flag for us as acupuncturists right. to, to treat that, knowing that there's some other underlying issue, which right. I'll, I'll let you get into. So, so some of the basics that, you know, we figured we would... Um, cover today in terms of gynecology obviously menstruation what's normal 
what's not normal, painful, irregular, absence of. We'll touch a little bit on fertility, pregnancy, um, menopause, some of the pathologies, um, which usually have a major pain component. Uh, things like endometriosis, um, PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, ovarian cysts, fibroids, adenomyosis, um, a little bit on cancers of the reproductive organs. Again, most of these that I'm listing in the pathologies, I feel that we're going to have to touch on mm -hmm. um, as a whole thing and make it a whole episode. You know, again, not you may not have this, but someone you love may have it, and right. this will help you with them. Uh, some breast abnormalities, um, maybe if we can get to it, some scarring, uh, that painful intercourse is a component of some of these things. So it is going to be kind of broad today. Like I said, some of the questions that we got, I felt like, oh, we're just going to have to answer some of these on an entire episode. Sure. So if you were and, someone who sent in a question, I apologize if, if it doesn't fully get answered mm -hmm. today. But that will help us uh, maybe pick some of the bigger topics, the ones that are more important for people. We'll do them first. Right. You know, and we'll pick and choose as we go. Right. So, so let's talk about what a normal menstrual cycle is like. Right. So normal, they say, should start around age 14. Um, some, you know, sometimes kid, kids can get their period as early as 8. Um, sometimes as late as 18. Um, I feel like if you haven't gotten it by the time you're 16, you could, you know, you should be looking into why that's not happening. Um, and it could be things like not enough body fat, um, you know, hormonal imbalances. Um, but I do feel like that it should get looked at at that point. And, mm -hmm. and if you look at the history of, because some people say, well, eight is so early and it's getting younger and younger. If you really do research and start reading, it ebbs and flows. There have been periods in time of, of history long ago where it was as early as eight. So it's not like it's this new phenomenon that it's, it's environmental factors that are making it younger and younger. Not that they can't contribute. Sure but that you know it does change over time and and again when we say normal in quotations um 28 to 32 days um we like to say there should be nothing that interrupts life other than changing the sanitary pad or tampon or diva cup um and that there should be very little pain it should be like maybe just a little twinge you shouldn't have to take like um you know, ibuprofen and they, we term them NSAIDs. You shouldn't have to take that stuff on a regular basis to get through having your period every month. And, and that regular, you know, regular normal every 28 to 32 days doesn't necessarily happen that first year. I feel like that first year is sometimes about the body trying to regulate itself. And okay. sometimes even into the first couple of years, it doesn't always go right into being that regular every 28 to 32 days. Um, normal amount of blood loss should be between, they say 30 to 40 milli, uh, 30, 30 and 40 to 60 milliliters. So normal would be changing whatever you're using, a pad, a, you know, Diva cup, tampon, about every four hours, although they say the average is most will change every six hours. Um, not normal then is wearing a thicker pad, like something that you would wear overnight and, and it soaks through in one to two hours. That's too much. Um, and it shouldn't be, you know, wearing a tampon and a pad because you're gonna soak through the tampon before right. you can even get 
to change it. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't be soaking through your clothing. Um, you know, and and like my story is that as a teen, I was wearing two <laughs> sanitary wow. napkins yeah. and thought that that was normal. So I think that yeah. that's probably what, you know, drew me into mm -hmm. the aspect of treating gynecology because I had such a not normal um, gynecological history myself. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's this aspect of where, you know, made to feel like it's not normal to talk about what's going on in, in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And, and that I'd like to normalize talking about periods a little more and having it not be this taboo topic. Mm -hmm. Um, so then when, when things aren't normal, a lot of what Western medicine does is mask what's going on with pain pills or, um, you know, when you see a doctor, I think this this PMS culture has made us think that PMS is normal, and and it's not. Like the, we repeatedly, I think, as acupuncture practitioners, our mantra is like, period pain is not normal. Period. Like we can't say it enough because it's not that message doesn't seem to get through yet. So I, that's why I feel like for me at least, I I'm you know kind of repeating that sure. um, all the time. Um, and I find a lot of, um, you know, when I'm doing research on the things that um, are main concerns when it comes to gynecology, um, a lot of people feel like their issues are dismissed and that they're not properly addressed. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like we do take the time to try and hear mm -hmm. all of those concerns when someone is coming in. Again, it's, you know, when you had said before, it's you spend, what was it? Um, Five minutes. Um waiting in our office and you spend a half an hour with us and right. talking and right having questions answered and things like that right and then in a typical doctor's office you wait the half hour and you get five minutes get five minutes of their time and they really don't have no time like you're saying to talk about this pain well we have this for you I'll, let me write you a script for right prescription strength ibuprofen or Right. First-hand experience. I've, I've had that. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's definitely not just gynecological issues. Right. It's other issues too, where it's just, again, it's the band-aid, and and we're taught to get to the root of what the problem is, so that mm -hmm. then when things are not normal, the goal is to try and get it as close mm -hmm. to normal as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it goes back to you know normalizing it starts you know i could remember when i was in elementary school they had the talk the girls and the boys got separated and they they gave you the talk and and i think you were sort of made to feel like you had to hide the fact that this was going on and it was you know you, you felt kind of gross and dirty about it afterwards right, right. it's this gross thing and right. you know it shouldn't be it's part of life and um all all uh, words that are Euphemisms or yeah, you know, very in, in, indirect descriptions on of, the oh, rag. Oh, yeah, nice. not good terms, right? <laughs> right. So, um, so, so of course, us as acupuncturists, I feel like the painful period is one of the things that you mm -hmm. know. That's where you know a lot of people will start. So we like again, painful periods are not normal. Um, there's a saying. And, and this goes not just for gynecological disorders where they say where there is um, where there is no free flow, there is pain. If there is free flow, there is no pain. So something isn't working right. And that's part of our goal is to, you know, with our needles, with our herbs, um, again, you shouldn't have to take pain medication on a regular basis, whether it's over the counter or prescription to function 
right. when it's that time of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like there's this mechanism of how the body should be functioning that's out of sync. Like in our first podcast, when we talked about that whole basis of yin and yang and one being within each other, something in that image of yin and yang is out of balance and we're working to get it back to balance. And it, mm-hmm. it you know, it doesn't always just, um, show up there it can be showing up in other areas of their life like you said with the headache um and and things that go along with it pain Mm -hmm. before pain during and pain after mean different things and in western medicine it's just take this pill oh you have pain before take Take this this pill pill before you have pain during take this one and it's the same pill no matter what and it's not (laughs) it's not addressing why the pain is there um so and when we talked about how you know we're treating stuff from the perspective of the elements um, and thinking of them being out of alignment, the three main ones usually when it comes to gynecological concerns are the liver, the spleen, and the kidney. And I feel especially like with the liver and the kidney, I'm sorry, the liver and the spleen, uh, especially the emotions that go along with that, the anger that comes along with the mm-hmm. liver and the worry that comes along with the spleen. You see that a lot in, in patients right. who have pain. Sure. Like it's the, you know, the underlying. Right. Um, and I try and describe to patients, I, you know, I'm not always so great at it being quite so poetic as I think some of the classics <laughs> were, but like, I feel like the liver of course is the main one that we treat the main element that seems to go awry and affect the other ones. And I always say it's like the soda bottle that is like you shook it up and I hand it to you and then you open it and it explodes. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to like let the bubbles in the soda bottle like calm down. Um, And, and again, the pain at different parts of it mean different things, like different things, you know, we're treating different. Yeah, They give us different indicators of what to treat what's going wrong, where the pathology is. Right. right. Like I find that if people are having more pain afterwards, like they've lost all this blood, that they're, they tend to be a little bit more deficient. Mm-hmm. Like they're like exhausted afterwards. Um, and the pain leading up to it is that like, I'm such a tense person and I need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a comment about the pain medications. It's a little bit of a story actually. <laughs> And this goes back to our discussion about relative ignorance of body awareness and things like that is when we were kids, you know, we'd, we'd see the bottle of Midol in, in the <laughs> medicine cabinet. So do, do you know what it is? Is it just an analgesic? I think it's just ibuprofen. Okay. I think it's like, so, it's just but, a fancier bottling for ibuprofen. Right. And of course the joke amongst boys was, you know, should we take one? Like, if you <laughs> take gonna... one, will you get a period? You know, it just, you know, really, uh, it's funny, but it underscores the ignorance that we all have as, you know, 13, 14 year olds, 15 right. year olds, seeing feminine products in the bathroom as boys right. and being like, what is that? What's it for? You know, I right. don't know. Don't touch it. <laughs> so, so, this is what's funny in my house. So, I have two boys and a girl, and my daughter won't even tell me when she, and, and I'm like, right. what? but this is my thing. Right, like, right. This is my thing. You should be able to talk to, you should be able to walk in the kitchen in the middle of the day and be like, I need pads. <laughs> and, and that's just like, that is not happening in right. my house at no, all. I, I have to hide bringing, <laughs> bringing the bag into the house and I have to sneak it under the, 
which I just think is so funny because I'm like, but this is my area. How did I get a kid who's not like I thought this is my blood? Yes. No, not. No, <laughs> I think she'd rather have somebody else less yeah. embarrassing, yeah, less, I, I you know, so. <laughs> age appropriate, I think. For yeah. Kids. Um, they don't want you to know about that stuff. No. So and and some of the things that happen with pain, I, I find foods can impact that. So again, you know, we've said this on other episodes. Sugar is the root of all evil. It <laughs> tastes so good, but it really is the root of all evil. So it in our in you know, Asian medicine it affects the spleen, which then, you know, kind of counteracts mm -hmm. on the liver and mm -hmm. it's this vicious right. cycle. But I mean, I know it tastes good. Like you don't have to tell me. Mm -hmm. Tastes amazing. Um, and I find certain patterns like overly cold foods, um, when there's that you know a more constricting pain or too many hot foods can move the blood a little bit too much mm -hmm. so you know we have to sit down with each person and and go okay well which which things do you need to shift and adjust so that it right. it makes things work a little bit better and again it you know when we talk about how long it takes to change something I really feel like the magic number is the three month mark when it right. comes to changing that pain cycle. So like if someone comes to see me and, and they're in the middle of their cycle, they might not see drastic changes, but the pain should at least lessen that first time. And, and this is different from if they have some of the other pathologies that we we're going to talk about a little bit later, I feel like some of those pathologies, it's really like three months before you really start seeing a difference sure. and sometimes six months, like the things like endo and PCOS. In, it takes a lot more um, change over time to, right. to regulate those. But sure. when it's, you know, a, a more simple pain where somebody is like, yeah, I've just been always, I've always taken the mitol or the, you know, right. ibuprofen. Right. Um, that we can usually see a difference, you know, within two to three cycles. And, you know, maybe they'll still come in for maintenance once in a while, but that those yeah. are like the easier things to treat. Yeah. Like some of my patients will tell me that they'll take a little bit of ibuprofen or something, or they won't take any at all. Or there's a couple who have said, I'll take that and I'm just flat out on the couch. Like I can't move. I'm almost yeah. unconscious, you know, for the better part of a few days. Right. So can you explain a little of the difference there? So for them, so is it the, the cycle itself that's making them exhausted or the taking something that's making them exhausted? I think it's the taking of something. So I almost feel like um, that goes into some people are more sensitive when it comes to taking meds. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I'm going to use a fibromyalgia patient that I treated for a long period of time who acupuncture was the only thing that helped her because every med that they tried to prescribe for her made her feel like crap. So she, so not only did she have this like all over pain from the fibromyalgia, <laughs> but then she felt the it wasn't making was, her feel better the, the at cure all. Was worse than the right. So I think that, um, you know, some people are more sensitive to different meds. Like when they go through a drug disclaimer, mm -hmm. when you watch sure. these commercials, I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of like, maybe I'd be better off being sick than having diarrhea, you know, headaches and nausea and vomiting. Mm -hmm. And maybe I could die from this drug. Well, okay, what I have isn't going to make me die. So right. maybe I'll just not take that drug. And I feel like, um, I remember in school, uh, when I took the pharmacology class that they had for, um, 
I don't think it was the Rutgers one. I think it was when I was at PCOM where um, the instructor was a pharmacist and an acupuncturist. And one of the things that he said was, is that the side effects of, of a drug are not just side effects. Those are just other effects. effects. Yeah. Some of them are desirable and some of them are not desirable. Right. So like there are meds that like I was, I was sharing with a patient. So one of the treatments for endometriosis for the pain is to um, prescribe Percocet. So if I were to take a whole Percocet, I'm in a coma. Like mm -hmm. I can't get off the couch, but if I cut it in half, oh my God, I can clean my whole house. I don't have pain. <laughs> I was like, I imagine it's what, like what someone who's on speed mm. is on. And why would the half dose be so different from yeah. the whole dose? So again, I think it, it goes into the constitution of that patient mm. and like why, you know, certain conditions affect someone, you know, and I, there, you know, something could be said for pain tolerance. Like mm -hmm. I, I think that people who have had long-standing problems like that when they have things like PCOS and um, endometriosis and fibroids I don't know if the pain tolerance just gets like you just tolerate more of it because it's just there right. and you teach yourself yeah. to kind of numb it out yeah. so. and your brain does shut down some pain after yeah you know, it's a signaling system. yeah I know when I had my last surgery um, I was trying not to keep pressing like the pain button mm -hmm. and someone came in to do like you know how they have to just it's it's time for us to do your blood pressure and whatever and i was like listen i was like i need you to just give me five minutes so i can breathe through this cycle of pain like i knew it would pass and i didn't want to press the pain button and i was like basically almost getting into a fight with Right. with her yep. but i knew that if i breathed through it i wouldn't need so there you know there's, there's that aspect of it of teaching yourself the you know more relaxing breathing and i do that with some patients as well um because i think that that also takes care of that if their pattern is that like livery constricted person learning better breathing i think can help a lot um so yeah, I feel like that's one of the more common things is to smooth that out. And and I feel like for me, my magic number is if I've been seeing someone like four to eight treatments, so that like, let's say mm -hmm. they did twice a week for a month and there was absolutely nothing that changed, I, I wanna send right. them for other testing to sure. see what else is going on. I mean, right. it very rarely happens that someone says, nothing has changed at right. all. Yeah. I think in the entire, and it wasn't a gynecological patient, in mm -hmm. the years that I've been practicing, I had maybe one person who every week would come in and just be like, no, nothing is, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you're not even less stressed. Like, are you right. relaxing more? No, Do you know nothing anymore? is different. I was like, um, yeah. okay, why don't you come in when you're actually in pain then? Like text yeah. me, I'll do an emergency yeah. appointment and I'll come in and I never heard from him again. Right. Yeah. So, and those things that I'm looking for, like I want them to have ultrasound and blood work to see if they have things like fibroids, cyst, right. PCOS, endo, um, because I feel like that might change the treatment plan. It might change what herbs I'm putting them on. And I don't necessarily need that testing. I'm usually, but yeah, if somebody has said to me that they don't feel anything different, I definitely want to have, you know, other testing just to see what's going on. Sure. Um, and then, you know, aside from the pain, I think another thing that can happen is, you know, the cycle can be irregular. Um, and we usually talk about like there's, and so 
regularly irregular, they say really isn't irregular. That's just that person's pattern. So right. if it's early, like let's say this person has mm -hmm. a cycle and it's 24 days, right. but it's happening 24 days consistently, consistently that's not yep. really irregular. It's <clears throat> a shortened cycle. Now that yep. we don't call that normal, we want to extend it a little. One, because no one wants to have their period every 21 to 24 days. <laughs> it's so close together. Mm. Um, or if it's consistently late and regularly late, then mm -hmm. it's just late. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. every 40 days. And there can be other things that are going on that are mm -hmm. making it late. Mm -hmm. But to me, when I have a patient in front of me and it's irregular, they tell me, well, I it was 24 days this month and it was 40 days the next month and then it was 40 days again, but then it was 20, you know, so it's there's no... Yeah real pattern to it it's just mysterious right. they don't know yeah. what to what and how to plan their life and i feel like you know acupuncture and herbs work so well to get that pattern back on track um and again it's just that consistency of treatment of like it might take you know two to three months of of regular treatment but it usually gets back on track so yeah that would be you know you it should come around the same time and there are events that can happen there's a really great book that i i read years ago and i have the very horrific habit of lending people books i now write my name in front of all yeah, my books so that if somebody <laughs> so there's a book called taking charge of your fertility I think Tony Weschler or Wenschler is that I never repurchased it. I, I think I have this fantasy life where people will return the right. books that I've right. <laughs> that I've lent out. The web that have no, has no weaver. I think I said that before. That's another one. Mm -hmm. But she talks about how a traumatic event can change it. So let's say you've lost a loved one or you um, were traveling. Things like that can can give you a one-off cycle. If it just happens once, I don't consider that to be regular. I feel like that's just a, hey, something stressful happened. Um, I think in her book, she talked about um, a, a patient of hers either having, like there was an earthquake and the earthquake made her period come like three weeks later than it should have just from the trauma of being, yeah. you know, awoken in the middle of the night from mm -hmm. this, you know, from the earthquake. Um, so yeah, it's it's this, the specific pattern that we look to to see, sure. is it really irregular or is it not irregular? Mm -hmm. um, and then when it's, again, regularly irregular, regularly regular, like either consistently early or consistently late, we're looking to lengthen the cycle or shorten the cycle so mm -hmm. that it's you know around the right time. And, and again, w when they talk about that normal window, if somebody's getting it every 35 days, I'm probably not going to mess with it. If it's 40 days, then I'm, I'm definitely trying to regulate it a mm -hmm. little bit mm -hmm. more. Um, and then we can have, you know, the absence of it altogether. And, and when I think of it, you know, someone not getting their period, I'm not thinking of, oh, they've just never gotten it yet. Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, like there are cases of going into menopause early, like when we talk about menopause they say 49 is like the seven sevens is when you should you know they right. the blood should stop and be nourishing other parts of the body it this is like unexplained suddenly stopped i looked at things like the diet did you change something in your diet mm. um i've seen it happen actually when i was still at pcom as an intern one of my first cases was someone who had had a baby she was very thin um, and 
when you have a baby, it we we talk about it, it takes a lot of blood, and she they <laughs> I forget the phrasing, but they kind of talk about it like the baby is a parasite because it's mm -hmm. living off of yeah. you. It's a parasitic relationship. It takes all of this chi and blood and energy, and you're kind of not left with you know Much. a lot after. Yeah. So then, if you nurse, that's still taking chi and blood and energy. Right. And sometimes the cycle doesn't come back right away. Um, so I want to say, and again, I was a student, so it probably took me six months to get her to have her period again. And I think in the beginning, because she was vegetarian, we were very careful about what herbs because she didn't want anything that had. Right, animal and products. And probably two months into it when she didn't start menstruating again, and she wanted to have another baby. That was why it was so urgent for her. Um, I was like, okay, there's two ways we can do this. It's gonna take you six months if we do it with these herbs, or you can start adding a little bit of meat back into your diet because blood makes blood. And I think it was probably at the four month mark that she got her period, we regulated it. And I think within six or eight months, she ended up getting pregnant. So for me, yeah. I was like, I, that's again, why mm -hmm. I was like so in love with gynecology because mm -hmm. it was in school and, um, so an il illness can, can interfere with that pro postpartum. I expect that when my patients are nursing that they're not gonna get it for a period of time. They say if you're consistently nursing and nursing at night, mm -hmm. it, you know, the, the cycle should not come back for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that the body needs time to heal. Like mm -hmm. for me, I think that they had like, they said that um, if you nursed for a year, your body still needed a whole year from the time you stopped nursing wow. to replenish the chi and blood that it takes to make the baby and nurse. So not that everybody waits that long, but that yeah. that's a good amount of time. So usually, what, sorry. What, what about competitive sports? Yeah, I think that that definitely can be part of it. And that yeah. goes into the body fat aspect mm -hmm. of it that right. um, I could remember people asking me like, um, I, I think my child is gonna get you know their period soon and it was like okay the, the things to look for are like the weight being over 90 pounds mm -hmm. and um hair you know pubic hair hair under the arms the weight aspect of it um and and that that would indicate that it might be happening soon but i feel like when the body fat drops to a certain amount it right. it does and that's when you sure. see like the competitive sports are a lot of times dancers who are super, super thin, mm -hmm. that they don't have it. Right. Um, and and if they're not gonna change their diet, they it might not return for a while, or they they don't get it until they're you know, 18, 19, when they stop doing whatever that sport is as much. Mm -hmm. So I definitely see that happening. And is that also a category in the absence of menstruation where they, you're in adulthood, they have gone through Menage, but then they lose it because of, say, marathon running. Yeah. See, I feel like if they've if they've had at least a few cycles, or even mm -hmm. at one mm -hmm. cycle, yeah, to me that's absence of, yeah. and we're trying yeah. to bring it back. Um, and I mean, there are certain hormones that they can have their doctor check for if they're, you know, they have, let's say, a little too much testosterone. I think. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the other hormone. There's another hormone that I have sometimes to check for. Um, that can be out of whack, that could be in, impacting whether or not they're getting a cycle. And that, yeah, so I put that in the absence category. Mm -hmm. um, and then fertility, I feel like 
we're so when it comes to fertility and i feel like we were having this conversation in the class that i was in yesterday i get a lot of cold i call them the cold calls i'm having an i um right. ivf embryo transfer tomorrow right, right. Like and i i heard that <laughs> acupuncture can help so i want to come in to, and i'm like okay first of all i'm like i don't know that it, i mean can it hurt no right. can it help Maybe, but then if it doesn't, you're going to tell people I tried acupuncture and it doesn't work. Again, with the three month thing, when right, someone right. is going through fertility, I want to see them for three months. If they're right. even if they're doing IVF, I feel like you get um, better numbers of eggs, better quality eggs. Right. They fertilize better, and you have more ready for transfer. Then if you call me up the day of and you're like, we had one lone embryo and I'm like, yes, I want to help you. But I, I end up for me okay. saying I refer them to someone else because I, I don't want them to say that they came to me for acupuncture and it didn't work. Right. Well, it didn't work because you called me the day of like called, I want called me three months too late. Yeah, I want to be nurturing those potential eggs mm -hmm. when, you know, before they do the retrieval and take the eggs out. Um, and, and some of the conditions that, you know, we already mentioned can contribute to the aspect of fertility. Like if there's a shortened cycle, you know, their window of when they're trying could be wrong. So sometimes just extending the cycle out so that the second half of the cycle is a little longer and the, the it's called the progesterone phase so that they're getting mm -hmm. that phase is a little longer and the embryo has a better chance to implant um, but again, the window that they're trying could be wrong. I mean, they could be trying too early. They could be trying too late because that's another misconception is that ovulation occurs at 14 days. Right. It's not necessarily. Right. Sure. Um, and also if the cycle is too long. Mm -hmm. So like for me, one of the things that, um, and I did go through fertility treatment. So when at the onset of it, one of the things that I was doing was charting. And, you know, because I knew how to chart, we'd had all these medical classes. And I could see, so when someone charts, they take their temperature first thing in the morning and they draw it on this little like mm -hmm. chart that you have in front of you. And mine looked like a sawtooth and it was 40 days long and it was sawtooth the whole time. And it shouldn't look like a sawtooth. Right. It should be flat, it should go up and plateau and then drop down when you get. so. What happens is in a case like that, there's this anovulatory bleeding. You're bleeding, but you're not ovulating. So I had like six months of charts and I was like, okay, this is insane. And I called the doctor and because I was only in, I was like 26 at the time. They're like, no, you, you know, try for a year. And I was like, okay, can, can I come in and I'm gonna show you my chart. And I want you to tell me when I can, when I should be trying, because I must not be trying at the right time. Right. And I brought in the chart and the doctor was like, oh, you're not ovulating. And I'm like, yeah, I knew I wasn't ovulating, <laughs> but I clearly needed to show you right. on a piece of paper. Um, and in my, in my case, it was because of endometriosis. There was just so much estrogen and I was never having that right. second, you know, the second half of the right. phase. Um, and so, you know, we look for what underlying conditions, again, PCOS, endometriosis, age can factor in that can affect the egg quality. And there are studies that are showing that when, when patients do choose to do acupuncture, that egg quality 
and sperm quality Absolutely. both improve. And and we kind of talked about that sometimes with fertility, it's a little harder um, that we, while we all prefer that both people come in, we can't always get both people to come in. And that, yeah. you know, one of my things that I want people to remember is it takes both of you. And, and the whole idea of the baby being in the best state of health comes from the parents both being like in the best state of health. Right. So if both parents are getting acupuncture, you're giving that baby the best prenatal chi that they can get versus if only one of you is coming. And I mean, certainly people have healthy babies without acupuncture, but I feel like it's such a great thing to add ahead of time and keep you healthy. Mm -hmm. And um, I always try and tell people and get the message out that, you know, even if you don't think you're gonna have fertility problems, it's not a bad idea to start acupuncture mm -hmm. ahead of time and get you know comfortable with it and, and take care of yourself. Um, some patients come in and have secondary infertility, so they have one child and they're having trouble having the second and different things can happen there. I've had a couple of cases where um, the way that the placenta came off the uterine wall mm -hmm. caused a scar tissue and it kind of smooths it oh, out. Right. And then they, they were not able to, even with acupuncture, because that, you know, the right. way that that scarring is. Yeah, there's not um, going to be any Yeah, there wasn't there. improvement with that. <clears throat> If there's one thing I could stress to a couple trying to conceive is that the male check his ego and get checked. Yeah. Because multiple times I've seen this happen where, uh, no, 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 it's not me. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I have a child from another relationship or whatever. Whatever excuse you have, um, you know, appreciate your partner enough to take the time and, and get checked out. Right. I don't know how many times, you know, women have gone a year, like you're describing. And, and, the, and, and she's it, not even the problem. And it turns out. Yeah. Um, and then the other, you know, a little more specifically about that is a couple things that I learned back in 2006 when I took a class um, that people don't think about is uh, chefs are at high risk for low motility rates, right? Because, because the they Because they stand in front of this heat. this heat all day long and that's not good right a laptop is another one yes right? people don't think about this they say oh well um you know i put a pillow on it or something like get up move around right <laughs> the too tight little, underwear little things like that you know right. people don't pay attention to and like, no hot like, tubs and saunas right? yeah like i said the ego thing it's in the way i'm you know there's nothing wrong with me i, I just had a case where uh it was determined you know the motility was or the, the count was like drastically way down and the motility was almost non-existent. And he still wanted to get a second opinion on that. Like it didn't even bother doing the follow-on test from there. You know? Just wanted to go somewhere else yeah. entirely. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, but that's, that's the, the path they're on. Right. You know, and hopefully they'll get what they want. Yeah. But one of the, I, I've seen that actually, like you were saying, when they have a child with someone else. Mm -hmm. And and there's, you know, like that was actually one of the tests that one of the fertility tests that they do is a postcoital test where you have intercourse and then they analyze what's there afterwards. Um, and sometimes there's, you know, compatibility issues where, you know, then and 
intrauterine insemination can mm -hmm. bypass mm -hmm. the fact that the sperm are not getting to where they need to go. Right. Um, and, and I feel like it does help with all those um, assisted reproductive techniques. I just feel sure. like it only helps, but I just don't like waiting until that last minute on the day of. I feel right. like I want to know that I nurtured, like I said, mm -hmm. you know, I want mm -hmm. I nurtured that embryo from when you, your cycle started. And, it's way up in the follicle. And, and yes, <laughs> while you were a thought in your parents' mind, I was there. Um, <laughs> So one of the things I was going to say is that um, having gone through IVF, um, I never experienced any of like the side effects that they tell you that you have to like, oh, the crankiness and the moodiness. But I had been going for acupuncture the entire time. And I've noticed that with my patients as well. I have um, a couple that I worked with and they're due at the end of this year. And... Um, you know, she missed like one or two treatments and her kids were like, have you not seen <laughs> Dr. Stephanie? Cause you are super cranky. And this is while they were going through the process of like, <laughs> you know, on the meds to stimulate mm, for the egg retrieval sure. and everything. So she came in and told me, and I just thought it's, so, I love the fact that like your kids know that you need to see me even, and that they can tell that you've missed an right. appointment with me. Mm -hmm. Um, so another, so, you know, and again, fertility is another one of those things that I feel like we're probably going to have to devote an entire mm -hmm, episode sure. to. Oh. So I, I don't it, want it, anybody to probably feel more than one. Yeah. Really. I don't want anybody yeah. to feel like we glossed over yeah. it, but you know, right. there's back to your story about this the family is I, I will describe acupuncture to some people as sensitivity training, Okay, They're retraining your body or retraining you to become familiar with how you feel. Yes. And so often people will say, well, I didn't feel so good the other night. So I, you know, I drank more water and I went to bed early and everyone else in their office is sick, but I'm not because they came to me and they were a little more mindful and taking a little better care of themselves. Right. Notice feeling that a uh, little bit of something coming on. Right. And they're, and they're all the better for it. So yes. they're becoming more tuned in. Yeah. Just just like the kids are being tuned <laughs> to mom's situation. Exactly. So um, so another issue that comes up is excessive menstruation, which I define as the uh, two different ways. Um, the frequent changing of the pads more than every couple of hours. And it's, you know, like a heavy, heavier, not just changing it because you feel like changing it. Um, they may have clots. I like to know the size of the clots, the color of the clots, the color of the blood, all that stuff, no matter what's going on. Well, everything is an indication to you. you know, right. That's, that's what I need to treat. powerful information, right? Yeah, whether it's, exactly. Whether it's rusty, colored, or bright. Yes. You know, that, that tells you. Exactly. All different things that are going on. Um, and the other thing is that I consider excessive. Maybe they're bleeding a normal amount, but too many days. Like, it really should not go beyond seven days. If you're bleeding more than that... Um, I, I use moxa to slow it. If it keeps happening, I want to look to things like, do they have fibroids? Again, endometriosis, or do they have adenomyosis? Um, and while they're going through trying to figure out what other things are going on, if I can't get the bleeding to stop, adding foods to replenish the lost bud, like beets, mm -hmm. black beans, red meat, bone broth. Um, and I'm not saying, I, I, I don't want anybody who doesn't eat meat to get upset that I'm saying that. I work with the patient that's in front of me. If that's not a food choice, 
you know, there's other herbs and things that I can do to try and replenish that. Um, and, and again, I'm always cautious about making sure that there isn't something that needs Western intervention. I think a lot of times we just think, oh, you know, I'll put that off to the side and it'll just go away. And if it doesn't, I, you know, I want to make sure that patients are, and, you know, and again, if I can't treat something within that two to three month time, I want to make sure that they're, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. finding other ways to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the scanty menstruation, or what I like to call the little pink period. And mm-hmm. that my mentor always said that it's the little pink period. <laughs> so this is where the patient comes in and they told me, I wear a panty liner all day long and that's all I need. And I'm like, oh, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. that's nothing. Um, and I guess, you know, if you're young, that probably feels like a great thing to have this freedom of not having. But I feel like this one comes up as an issue with fertility stuff because, mm. you know, when it comes to wanting, if, if someone wants to have a baby, I feel like they need this thick, lush lining, mm-hmm. not the little pink period. Sure. Um, and, and I feel like the blood is thin, it's pale, it's watery. And they'll tell me they only, you know, I wear a liner for like two days and that's it. Um, and again, looking to see if there's something else that's wrong. You know, I've had patients tell me that they've had testing done and they may have, you know, polyps blocking and then the blood can't come out. And then, you know, the body will resorb it, but that's not a good thing. We want the blood to come out. Um, I actually, when I was first practicing had a patient that I was treating for migraines and she had that little pink period and she was getting all these migraines and so she you know more blood deficient and you know we built it up she was having a more normal period and the migraines weren't bad at all and she came in one day and she had this horrible migraine and I'm thinking but we were doing so good and like what went wrong and what changed and she had like a little bruise in the crux of her elbow and I thought oh she must have had blood work done so I I, you know I feel like when I talk about people being blood deficient they'll say but I had my blood work done and I'm not anemic and I feel like I think we pick it up before it gets to that point where it's, you know, on the lower side of things, maybe on the cusp. So she says, oh, I didn't have blood work done. I donated blood. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, it was this moment of I spent the last few months building that blood. That's like I had her on (laughs) herbs and I had her eating all these foods. And I was like, that's my blood it's not yours to donate but it was a lesson for me because as a new practitioner it never occurred to me and i i've been a blood donor it never occurred to me to say to someone who i was building blood don't donate blood like it just wasn't right. but now be donating blood. right don't donate blood we're no. building this up sure. this is yours i know it's a nice gesture but we're not giving it away so that's another, you know, and again, that goes back to the foods where if someone is excessively bleeding, the, you know, the beets, the black beans, red meat, bone broth. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to pregnancy, so oh, sorry. To, to your point about, um, you know, doing an intake and trying to understand, you know, how deficient they may be, right, detecting this early anemia. Right. Um, how do you handle when someone is either on the pill or they have like that, um, that, that Morella thing? 
So I will just say to me, oh, you know, I don't have a I period. don't have a period. Yeah, so now all this diagnostic information is gone. It's you know, it's if it's if it's there at all, it's skewed right by this um, alternative hormone therapy. So I look to to what it was like before. Yeah. What like are you so are you on the pill because of birth control? Mm -hmm. Or are you, were you put on regulated. it because of the pain to right, regulate it? Right, and what right. was it like beforehand? Because I tend to feel like they come off and that problem is still going to be sure, there. Sure. Even like... Because it's another medication that masks right. symptoms. It's a chemical cycle and it's not, right. you know, like with, with endometriosis, that is one of the treatments that they do for it. So I had been on it at periods of time and whenever I went off right back to where I was before. And, and I mean, I think the theory is, is that it puts the endo at bay, but I don't think it really does. Right. I mean, maybe yeah. in some cases, if someone is mild, like I had stage four endometriosis, the pill wasn't stopping mm -hmm. what was going on. So I, I looked to what it was like beforehand, why they went on it. Um, because yeah, the, it's not indicative of a real cycle at all. It's, sure. it's a, to me, it's like a pseudo cycle mm -hmm. right. and, um, and so even, you, you don't get to ask all those questions, <laughs> you know, no, those I still powerful, ask them, meaningful questions. That, but I that, even that, ask them you know. if someone has gone through menopause, like mm -hmm. if someone is okay. new to me and they've gone through menopause, right. Right. a lot of times on the intake form, that's how they'll fill it out. Like, no, I, I went through menopause and I'm right. like, no, I, I still want to like? know what it was like right. because there's that general thing of this is what their constitution is like. And sure. I feel like all that juicy information is still so important. So right, I, sure. even if they try and like yeah. gloss over it and like, oh no, yeah. I'm not gonna talk about that. And right. I'm like, oh no, imagine, you are. Imagine them talking about it with a man, you know, there's even less, you know, interest they may, yeah, in they sharing may. that information. But again, that goes kind into of, the, I want right. to normalize periods exactly. because we should be, I mean, I yeah. remember years ago. Fine, fine, everything's fine. I'm yeah, fine. I was at a friend's house and, um, like talking to her mother-in-law about endometriosis and hers had developed into endometrial cancer and she had to have a hysterectomy. And I was just inquiring and asking questions and she later emailed me and was like, can we not talk about that kind of stuff when my husband is in the room? And I was like, um, you have a daughter, so you should be making him comfortable with talking about those types of things. Like your daughter should not feel like she can't talk to both of you mm -hmm. about what's going on. So again, you know, I, I, I realize that my expectations might not be super realistic, <laughs> but I'd like to normalize periods so that we can all talk about them in a room full of mixed company, mm -hmm. entire populations. Um, so pregnancy, I feel like there is some, some practitioners don't want to treat pregnancy. I love treating pregnancy. I feel like my moms that have gotten acupuncture usually report that their births go very smoothly, that there wasn't, there's less need for, um, things like epidurals and, and pain, or just maybe a little bit of pain medication to get through, you know, if they're taking a little bit mm -hmm. longer to dilate. Um, I know for me, I had that hyperemesis gravidarum, which is that excessive nausea and vomiting with my pregnancies. Yeah. And, you know, while I did have to take medication for it because I was losing weight, yep. I do think it would have been worse if I didn't do acupuncture. Right. Um, I, I, you know, 
have patients who, when they have a breech baby, if they've been getting getting treated be, by me all along, I do the the moxa on the little toe, and I do that even just as a birth prep. I feel like that not just the breech positioning. I love the yeah. moxa on the little toe for just getting them ready, um, and I feel like while this is a touchy subject, and again, I feel like when I go through the list, as I was even prepping for this, I was like, yeah. I have this wrong with me. This wrong with me. I was like, I am a walking, I am a walking episode of our podcast. Um, I feel like acupuncture helped me get through the miscarriages that I had mm. because it it's emotionally traumatic to the body. It's physically traumatic to the body, and you need to recover in both ways. And I feel like without it, it wouldn't have gotten me through that. So it's not the more fun obviously not the more fun aspect of treating um you know pregnancy and miscarriage but i feel like if you can be there for those patients um it really helps them to heal from that and mm -hmm. and and sure. feel like they have someone on their side and you know sometimes patients are crying in the room and i've cried with my patients and Happens. It's just part of the, you know, yeah. but I feel like when I was in school, did they tell you don't ever cry with a patient? I don't recall. I feel like a couple of times they were like, oh, you yeah. can't cry with patients. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes you just have to. I, I, I just feel like I, I want them to know I'm human. I don't want to sure. ever walk out of the room and have them be like, yeah. well, I just told them something <laughs> horrific and she just didn't even care. Right. Right. So, yeah. um, one thing I wanted to say about pregnancy was that um, there are a number of women out there who think that once we help them get pregnant, now we need to stop doing the acupuncture, right? Because it could induce labor, even though you know they're no. they're a week, you know no. they've, been, they've been pregnant for five weeks, six weeks, right. something like that. And I've had people stop and then come afterwards for postpartum. Yeah. Or I've had people say, oh, I'm, you know, I love this. I want to keep doing it. Can we do right. it? Saying, oh, yeah. There's just a few points that we don't use. Yeah. And there's plenty of other points right. that we can use. No, um, I feel like it's a wonderful thing to oh, do. Yeah. Especially um, for, you know, different problems, um, back pain. Right. Um, pups. Yep. You know, you can change a woman's life. Yeah. Uh, with that. I had um, one of my patients, I felt, first I helped her quit smoking. Then I helped her get pregnant, and then she had the pups and was like, you know, the doctors would tell her, that's going to go away after you deliver. And she's like, you got to be kidding me. My life is, is, is like agony right now. Right. And a few treatments, and she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe what this That they do. were, yeah, you know, telling me just, to wait. You know, or that it's gone. Right. So. Yeah, also, I feel like post, and I didn't really get into this because, again, pregnancy and postpartum, again, could be sure. a whole, but I feel, yeah. and it's harder to have... Sometimes new moms can't, you know, can't get in. Um, sure. But, so you know, cool. even with like helping with milk production mm -hmm. and lactation and milk supply, and I've helped patients, you know, who unsuccessfully, you know, short period of time breastfed the first one, and then with acupuncture more successfully mm -hmm. breastfed with like their next child. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's just kind of like, I'm trying to make this like the chain of <laughs> occurrence. So I figured menopause could fit in here. Sure. Um, in terms of uh, treatment for menopause, I feel like the chief complaint for people is the hot flashes and the night sweats, soaking through night sweats. And um, 
you know, it's a shift. It's a normal occurrence that I feel is talked about much more poetically in Asian medicine that they talk about that when it's happening, it's so that, you know, the blood is no longer flowing so that it can go to other things and keep you strong and healthy. And, and you're just kind of looked at like this, not all the time, but I feel like Western medicine just doesn't, doesn't speak about it as poetically and just kind of, you know, you're the old gray haired woman now versus yeah, the crone where it's in Asian medicine is more like the wise, the wise old crone, like the, you know, person that you go to for advice. Um, and I feel like the period can be somewhat irregular while they're going through sure. that. And I always like my rule of thumb that I tell patients is that they're they're done with the cycle when they haven't had it for a year. And a lot of times they'll go like six months and then it'll come back and they're like, it came back. And I'm like, oh, we're starting the clock all over right. And they're like, well, do we have to count? I'm like, no, it has to be a year from, you know. Mm-hmm when that happens and you know the average age is 49 i have seen some you know people go through it much earlier than that some people go through it much later i feel like my mom went through like very very late um and that in asian medicine it's the seven sevens so that's where they come up with the 49. Mm -hmm. Um, the other way i heard that described was that you know men tend to be young and women tend to be yin right and as we age the yang fades uh, and in a woman the, the yang yin. can fade, but the yin is still there. Well, right? but but and so with there's what you're saying about blood. Right? Yeah. Right. Is is you know now you're not losing it all the time. Right. So you're actually there's no surprise there why women live long, longer than well, men. Well, so another one that I heard when I was in school was that part of the reason that women live longer is because being able to have that cycle discharges toxins and men don't have mm. that ability. And I know some people were like, well, what if they donate blood? And I'm like, I don't know that it's the same because, you know, it's just looked at differently, mm. but that that was another one of the reasons why they live longer. Right. And I mean, we won't even get into <clears throat> some of the, the other aspects of it where, sure. you know, the essence part of it, the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we could do that in a whole nother, another episode. <laughs> another episode. So I, you know, there's foods that I would normally be like, Oh, don't have this food. Don't have that food. Right. I tend to recommend a little bit more cooling foods so that some of that heat kind of comes down a little bit and they can be a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at eight o'clock. Okay. And we do have a couple questions. Okay. Do you want to do the questions because they're related to what we've been talking about? Or do you want to move into the next? Well, I don't want to leave out. Then let's do it. Um, so we, we have we have we have plenty of time. Right? All right. So I think what we'll do is so because I do want to get the questions sure. in. Sure. We'll just talk real quick about some of the Western mm-hmm. treatments. Because obviously, you know, we're using acupuncture, herbs, diet, um, and those sorts of modalities, lifestyle changes. Um, Western treatments for menstrual irregularities, birth control pills are the big one. Um, And we talked about that, Mm -hmm. you know, when we both first started, which was around the same time as practitioners, that you saw a lot of fertility cases where women had been on the pill from the time that they were 14 until they were 28. And I don't think that they're maybe not prescribing them for those long periods of time anymore. Um, And maybe the doses and things have changed. Doses have definitely gone down. So that it's not as harsh on the body. And, um, And I always, you know, 
while I don't love the fact that it's a chemical cycle, I feel like when someone is on birth control pills because they're using it as birth control pills, I don't encourage them to stop because I feel like no one should have to have a kid that they do not want to have. Um, but when it's to regulate the cycle, I don't want them on it because there's so much that we can do to help that. Um, Western pain management, like we said, the over-the-counter non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, narcotics, pain patches like lidocaine. Um, I remember because my cycles were really severe at a very young age and I vomited. So vomiting, that's another thing. Not that that's a big one, but vomiting when you have your period is not normal. You should not be vomiting. That's chi going in the wrong direction. Um, they prescribed, I think it was Anaprox for me, and one of the side effects was vomiting. So what do you think it did? It made me vomit even more. <laughs> so, um, and again, it's a Band-Aid. You know, I like to see people, you know, come off of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, tests that I, I like patients to have just to make sure things are in order is like their routine blood work, checking for anemia, blood cell counts, thyroid, um, endocrine hormones, the hormones that regulate the cycle, um, ultrasounds to make sure someone doesn't have cysts or polyps. Although with polyps, a lot of times they have to go in and, and scope for that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, tests like if if there's fertility issues, hysterosalpingogram to see if their tubes are cleared, um, CT scans, MRIs, um, and again, like we talked about, sperm analysis for fertility, uh, uterine and endometrial ablation are one of the treatments that they'll use a lot of times for the excessive bleeding. Sure. Um, which usually after that's done, you're having that done, you're not planning on having children after that because the lining doesn't right. come back. Um, and then, like I said, emphasizing that for us, I usually like to ha ask a patient to give me three months to get them back on track. It's that, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes that first cycle, maybe they'll have a little bit more bleeding. Maybe they'll have a little more clotting. It does take a little bit of, you know, tweaking to get that cycle regular. Um, and I add supplements sometimes. I, I do herbs for my patients. I feel like herbs are a, a big part of it. Yep. Um, and, and the big power of that is they're taking them every day. Yeah. Right? So they, instead of you know, coming in coming in, yeah. once a week or twice a week even, uh, taking it every day is really changing their hormonal uh, right. profile. Right. Yeah, so that would be like their homework. And, you know, um, getting people moving – um, and like I said, some of these other things that I had mapped out for us to talk about, they're just so complex, like the fibroids and all that stuff that I really think we better serve the audience just talking about all those things on, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. but the things to look for are like pain that doesn't get resolved, um, excessive heavy bleeding, increased cramping, always check with your doctor and, and make sure that something else isn't wrong. Um, and one of the things that I've been telling my patients, if I, because we can't order tests here in New Jersey, I know some acupuncturists can order different types of blood work, or if we order blood work, it's not covered by the insurance. And I've started telling my patients that if you want a test done, and this is something I wish I knew when I was younger, and your doctor says no, like when I was begging doctors to please check me for endometriosis and the, the response that I got over and over was, 
you were too young to have it. <laughs> so that by the time I got someone who did listen to me 14, no, 16 years later, I had stage four endometriosis and had to have an ovary removed and had to have major surgeries. Ask them to put in your medical chart that, they, that you've requested this test and that they've told you no. Because now you have a record of it in your chart that you've asked for whatever this test is and, and that they didn't give it to you. So, like I said, I have a ton more of things here, but I feel like we need, they each need their own podcast because I don't want to rush through them. Mm -hmm. So, let's check the comments and questions. Let's see. We have a question from Hillary. In your experience within Western medicine, uh, is adenomyosis overlooked and not treated sim similarly to endometriosis? Do you treat both conditions differently with acupuncture and herbs? Western medicine seems to dismiss and adenomyosis. Thank you. With the attitude, it is not as bad as endo. Just wondering what your experience have been. Thanks. So I tend to treat them similarly because they're both looked at as a blood stagnation. I think that they're equally horrific. I think that the adenomyosis, so in my experience, they go hand in hand. Most of the time you have both of them, I guess not always, but a lot of people who have endometriosis have adenomyosis. And I feel like when the adenomyosis comes into play, that the pain is actually worse than when it's just endo by itself. Um, I've, I've been following someone on a social media platform just because she is super, super young um, in her early 20s and has severe endo and adenomyosis, like at her age. Like, I don't think she'll be able to have children. She spends a good portion of her time or spent a good portion in the emergency room. They've done surgical procedures on her. She'll probably still have to have more. I do feel like the adenomyosis makes it worse. I do feel like acupuncture and herbs can help it, but endo is still one of those things that you like are best served by doing both and finding a really good endo specialist i feel like not every gyn is an endo specialist right. and most of them like i've seen on different platforms like back when i was younger the theory was is that it was like retrograde menstruation that it backed up into the tubes and went into the abdominal cavity it, at one point it was thought that it was the same tissue that's lining the uterus outside of the uterus. Now they refer to it as endometrial-like tissue because it's not the endometrial lining. It's a different type of tissue, but it's it, they don't know enough about what it is. And they don't know what causes it. They don't have a cure for it. But I feel like um, Western treatment and acupuncture and herbs can help. And if you're doing acupuncture after the surgical procedures, the um, it tends to be longer in between needing surgeries. Like it seems to mm. help patients more right. and not require as frequent surgery. Right. Yeah, I had a patient who had that and then had a child and then came back yeah that's the other that was another misconception well if you just have kids it'll go away no <laughs> having children is not a cure for endometriosis do not let anyone tell you that and pcos can you describe that spell it out so that so polycystic ovarian syndrome right. 
it's um, excessive cysts. That's a more hormonal issue going on where, you know, thyroid hormones often come into play. Um, there tends to be a specific body type. There is excessive hair. Um, the androgen hormones tend to be out of whack, so they're a mm -hmm. little bit higher. So again, a lot of times that's going to involve both um, having, you know, Western treatment and acupuncture and herbs. And I feel like when you do the acupuncture and herbs, it, it preserves the fertility if the person who has PCOS wants to have children at some point. But there, that's more, you know, like a, of a hormonal imbalance going on. And again, that's one of those topics that we're going to need a whole, mm -hmm. a whole episode to, <laughs> to cover. Yeah, you can have a whole season. Yeah, a whole, you know, season of gynecology. There you go. <laughs> and you're going to hate me by the end of it. You're going to be like, no more <laughs> uterus crap. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have nightmares of, like, the uterus stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anything so, else you want to So add? was that all of our questions? That was all for the questions. No, and like I said, I, you know, my list of stuff that we, were, we have mm -hmm. to still cover more in depth are things like fibroids, PCOS, yep. endometriosis, adenomyosis, um, adenomyosis, uterine polyps, yep. And your favorite MTHFR. <laughs> so I so the MT, so I don't have any patients who have come to me yet who have this, but you know why I think it's funny. So I'm gonna say what it is. It's methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase variant. But the initials for it are MTHFR. And everyone everyone calls it mother effer. Because that's what it looks like. I can't look at that word and not see picture. that. Um, but yeah, so cysts, um, we'll talk about diagnosis for those things. Um, at some point, I'd like to add in like ovarian cancer, breast cancer. Um, oh, I do want to talk a little bit about basics of diet. Um, again, watching sugar. People are going to hate me. What's so bad I'm about sugar? It's like heaven when you're it's, eating it, but it's not. So many things. I thought you would actually problem. answer my question. Um, no, seriously. No, it causes inflammation. Yes, it's it causes major it inflammatory. Yes. Right. Um, uh, and it's in everything. Yes. And it's growing it. You know, they're 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 upping levels of it. You know, if you look at right. ketchup today versus t 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? There's more and more sugar in ketchup. Yes, in everything. Yeah. Just um, as an example. Greasy, fatty foods. Although, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I I could bathe in olive oil and just be ecstatic. <laughs> but it's not a trans fat. No. <clears throat> and the trans fats are really or the, 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 are the culprits in greasy, yeah. fatty, deep fried foods. So anti-inflammatory diet. I feel like, you know, our, our, the American diet has just mm -hmm. a lot that it, it caught, wreaks havoc with. Mm -hmm. um, Exercise, I always want my patients to exercise. When I said before about where there is mo no movement, there is pain. Where there is no pain, there is movement. And when I say exercise, like, listen, I'm not running marathons. I can't run from here to my car. But stretching, getting up and walking around, like when, when you were saying about having the laptop on your lap, um, 
every hour trying to walk around for five minutes. If mm -hmm. you have a desk job, get up, walk to the bathroom, wash your hands. No one has to know that you're not, if you don't have to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you have a pet, be like your pet. Yeah. You, whenever they get up, they stretch. Yes. Right. Right. And they, Moving they, around. They, they, and they want to move around. And right. There's, there's that need for. I generally, movement. yeah. I generally want everybody on a multivitamin, again, because our diet is mm -hmm. not the greatest usually. Um, I find most people need vitamin D. They might be borderline. And I find a lot of doctors, when they're, when blood work comes back, I'm seeing a lot of patients who are at the threshold of the low end. Mm -hmm. Vitamin D right now, I also feel like is important because they're saying having a normal vitamin D level also helps in impact fighting COVID. So mm -hmm. making sure that you're taking vitamin D if you need it. A lot of times I have to have patients take iron supplements, especially if they've had this excessive bleeding. Um, magnesium, a lot of times I'll add in because that helps with muscle cramping mm -hmm. and it relaxes the muscles. Mm -hmm. um, and occasionally B vitamins, depending on sure. what's going on. Right. And and the herbal part of it, I'm not, I'm not sharing, not because I'm trying to keep it a big secret, but herbs are so specific to what right. the person has in front of me. So it's not like I'm gonna be like, hey, go get this formula and it's gonna be right for you. As so, And not all acupuncturists are herbalists, but when we do prescribe them, it's very specific. We need to have that person in front of us and, and look at the pattern and see that the, that formula is okay with them. It's not like, right. don't go to Amazon and be thinking you're gonna get formulas. And you shouldn't be. like. Right. You know, that should not be where you get your, you know, your formulas. <laughs> get them from your acupuncturist so that you know that they're good quality. Right. Because there's a lot of, there's a big span of quality right. out there. Yeah. yeah. So, and our next podcast in two weeks. It will be about allergies and treating allergies. Pets, pollens, fa foods, fabrics, uh, and medications, even stimuli like uh, EMFs from um, computers and stuff cool. like that. Um, even tissues in the body, people become sensitive to their own digestive tissue, um, hormones, you name it. Uh, this system treats all those things. I've, I've been using the system for 11 years and the people who came that first year are still allergy free. Excellent. To whatever we treated then, they haven't had a comeback since then. Cool. Uh, it's, it's really quite incredible. I had someone the other day who needed to start taking a medication and, and got uh, abdominal problems from it, uh, vomiting and upset stomach. One treatment and no symptoms. Excellent. And now it's been, I think, maybe a month cool. without that. Um, yeah. So we'll get all some, into some, that. This, this time of year, dust, mold, dust mites, uh, stuff like that, even the you know, with the trees and the rain and stuff like that, create a lot of mold spores in the air and everyone's suffering from that. And a few treatments and they're fine. Excellent. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. Oh, excited to hear about it. All right. So I will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Ming, Thank for letting us host here. We appreciate it. Bye, everyone. Thank you all. The contents presented during the Practical Medicine Podcast include information about various modalities that exist to achieve health and wellness and are for informational purposes only. You acknowledge and agree that the following disclaimers and warnings shall apply to all content presented. 
The podcast contains the opinions of Dr. Robert Balco, D-A-C-L-A-C, and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki, D-A-C-M-L-A-C, and the guests of their show. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding any medical condition. The views expressed in the Practical Medicine Podcast are our own and do not represent those of all licensed acupuncture professionals. Always seek the help of your own acupuncturist or medical provider to determine your best course of action. You may want to use the information presented as a supplement to better understand your diagnosis or treatment, but it should not be the sole thing that you use to make important medical decisions. Do not use the content of the podcast in lieu of medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking care because of something you have heard on this podcast. Privacy is important to us. Thus, all people, places, and scenarios have been changed where applicable to protect privacy and maintain confidentiality.